and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, Episode 7. This is our look at the upcoming Week 7 games across the NFL, and this episode is the Bee's Knees. We're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers, Ezekiel Elliott, and a compulsive Browns backer. Of course, we are going to fire it up, too, with our regular weekly picks. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy the Prognosticator. Attridge, what's up, Andy, buddy? Well, we once again had a pretty good week. We went 9-4 against the spread on games that were not played on a Thursday. But if you throw in Woody's successful Thursday night pick with the Eagles, we were 10-4. and four. Winner, Gagnon. But, I mean, seriously, who's going to take a betting advice from a three-year-old beagle? I don't know. Well, I'll uh, tell you who would do that. Yeah. I would do that. I took Woody's <laughs> advice. And I made dollars. So Woody is uh, a very successful handicapper. I don't think the fact that he's a dog uh, is relevant here. I think Woody's well, record stand on stands on its own. For, for the benefit of our listeners, that's actually true. I got a I got a text from Maddie on Friday morning, and it was simply a a photo of his very successful bet slip of the Eagles winning. And I was like, you know, Matty's a smart guy. Why wouldn't he pick the Eagles? But he was like, no, no, I totally did that uh, as a result of Woody's pick. So anyway, why, when it's a good thing going, why, why ruin it? Well, yeah, you know, everybody loves Woody except for my bookie. He's not liking Woody. Not Friday well, morning anyway. Speaking of which, well, the bookies, this is no joke either. They were literally calling an extra people money just to count the money. Uh, I think we did all right. Um, it was it was a unique week. Eleven underdogs covered, including two double digit dogs winning outright. That being the Dolphins and the Giants. But um, yeah, of those eleven underdogs, nine nine of them won outright. So we were on the sexual side of the Chargers and the Jets and the Cardinals, Forty Niners and the Rams and the Vikings, and of course. Uh, I was very pleased that we were on the right side of the Steelers ending the Chiefs' undefeated season winning outright. I think that I said that Corks would be popped in Miami with the 72 Dolphins, and guess what? They were. Like a ripe cherry on prom night, buddy. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. And why mess up a good thing? And that's that. It was also a good week for veteran quarterbacks. And when I say veteran, I just simply mean old guys. But you had wins coming from Eli, Big Ben, Philip, Tommy Boy, Drew, and Carson. With six weeks under our belt, would it surprise you to know that the underdogs have covered 60% of all games? And that number is actually even higher for road dogs? Well, now we've had a listener call in with what seems to be a confessional audio tape. He didn't clearly identify himself, but in the voicemail, he referred to himself as Bob Smith. Let's have a listen to what Bob said. Hi, everyone. My name is Bob. And I'm here because I have a problem. It's okay, Bob. Tell us about your problem. I have this overwhelming compulsion to pick the Browns each week. I see those massive spreads, and I just can't help myself. I've been picking the Browns to cover most weeks for the past two or three seasons, and it never works out. Sometimes I bet on them early in the week, and sometimes when the game is about to begin, and I never tell anyone. I'm at the point where I don't know what to do. 
you've already made the most important step, and that's to admit you've got a problem. It's affecting my office pool. I'm already at a semi survivor contest. And how good do you think Kenny Britt has done in my fantasy league? Have you apologized to the people that you've wronged? I have, but they seem to be quite happy when I'm engaging in this dangerous behavior. It's, it's almost like they benefit from it. It actually sounds like they're enabling you. What can I do? Well, fortunately, this is not a 12-step program. All you got to do is not pick the Browns. Ever? Yes, ever. They're, they're a dumpster fire. But they can cover this week. No, they can't. And no, they can't. I mean, are you sure? I mean, Miles Garrett's in the lineup with Deshaun Kaiser. He didn't seem that bad. Unless Jim Brown suits up in his prime for the Browns this week... They are that bad, and he is that bad. Why are you telling me these things? We, we just want you to be the best Bob that you can be. I don't, I don't think you are. They're, they're getting six points at home against the Titans this week, and that's at home. Listen to yourself. I know, I know, I know. I'm trying to be a better person, even if not for myself, for my family. Hey, we love you, Bob. Just remember... When you aren't here in a safe environment, don't pick the Browns. Don't pick the Browns. And one more piece of advice. I want you to listen closely to me, Bob. Do not pick the Browns. I'll do what I can, but I think I'm going to need a sponsor. Do you happen to have the phone number for Johnny Menzel? Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! All right, let's begin with the news of the week. All right, this just in, according to the governor of Illinois, all statues in public spaces honoring political figures will be taken down and replaced by statues of Mitch Trubisky. Also, an insider on the Miami Dolphins has spoken off the record and told Almost Wise Guys that the offensive line doesn't like their new offensive line coach. Now, they said the new hire just doesn't, quote, have the same kind of intensity, and he's not near as fun at the titty bar with the boys after practice. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> the league is also reporting that Cowboys owner Jerry Jones has once again changed his mind on what his players can do during the anthem. A week ago, if you'll remember, they were kneeling together in solidarity. Earlier this week, they were told if they knelt, they would be benched. But Jones has since amended this order. Um, now they must all stand for the anthem while holding sparklers and miniature American flags because, remember, if you don't love the flag, then you don't love America. And you should get the fuck out. America!
Also, on another side note, great to see that my voodoo doll of Aaron Rodgers finally started to work. Hey, Maddie, there was a report submitted this week by Suzanne Schultz, an evolutionary biologist at the University of Manchester, that dolphins may have humans matched on almost every other prerequisite for planetary dominance. But they can't finish the job because they lack hands. In her own words, unfortunately, they won't ever mimic our great metropolises and technologies because they didn't evolve opposable thumbs. I'm convinced that the only dolphin right now in need of opposable thumbs is Jay Cutler. They call him Flipper, Flipper, faster than lightning. No one you see is smarter than he. And we know Flipper lives in a world of All right, time to fire it up with our weekly picks. How about Thursday night here, Andy? What happened Thursday night with Woody? Well, you can check out the official pick on our Facebook page. Spoiler alert, uh, Woody's a big Andy Reid fan. Um, I'm not going to say much more about it than that, but we'll see how it pans out. Uh, Next week, uh, we have the Miami Dolphins playing the Ravens. I'm not sure what to expect, but I think I've already seen him get out of a mirror and a straw in preparation for his pick. (laughs) All right. Let's go to our uh, first game of the weekend. New Orleans at Green Bay, and the Packers are four-and-a-half-point underdogs at Lambeau Field. 48 points is the over-under. Well, we've obviously got a lot to talk about here. Um, Big time. For our listeners who've been under a rock or perhaps on the moon for the past week, Aaron Rodgers is out for the season with a broken collarbone. Enter Brett Hundley, the UCLA Bruin. He's going to have his hands full with his resurging Saints defense who had three picks and two TDs against the Lions last week. But that's the thing. You look at the box score and you see, oh, the Saints put up a 50-burger. Mmm, burger. But that's an anomaly that you can't count on every week. By the way, their offense is pretty good, too. Everyone knows that. Now, everyone and their uncle has an opinion as to what the Packers should do as a result of the injury to Rodgers. I've heard names like Tony Romo, Colin Kaepernick, a potential trade for Eli Manning, and even Brett Favre has been in consideration for the conversation. The only Brett we need to concern ourselves with right now is Brett Hundley, who at this point is probably their best option, and that's the reason why you have backup quarterbacks in the NFL. He's been on the team for three years, and he knows the offense pretty well. So here's what I want to get into, and it's how it affects the point spread. The look-ahead line last week before Rodgers was injured had the Packers as six-point favorites. Now it's a four-and-a-half, but it actually started a lot higher than that. Uh, the betting trends and the stats are meaningless at this point with this, with this matchup. I do not believe that Aaron Rodgers is worth 13 points. I don't think any quarterback – usually when you saw Peyton Manning go down or Tom Brady go down – it would have, it would affect the spread by about seven points, seven and a half, and that that was pretty accurate. But to go almost two touchdowns, it 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 just doesn't make sense. Like you're going from almost a, uh, a touchdown favorite to almost a touchdown underdog, and at home, 
it, it, it doesn't make sense. I think the, the public is overreacting. And now I get that the Packers team photo has one guy and he's wearing number 12. But let's consider the human side of this. The Packers are at home in front of some of the best fans in professional sports. And I think people rally here. I mean, the Green Bay defense is going to make a statement of support this week. The running game does too. I think this one is going to come down to a field goal at the end of the game. My pick, Packers to cover. Well, that's a ballsy pick, buddy. Brett Hundley sounds more like Jack Handy. I'm uh, pretty reluctant to take the pack here. Aaron Rodgers isn't just their quarterback, but he's their leader and their heart and soul. And nothing, and I mean nothing, takes the playoff wind out of the sails of an NFL team more than the loss of their signal caller. It is extremely rare to see a second stringer come off the bench and light it up a la Tom Brady. That's more the exception than the rule. More often than not, the guy on the bench, well, he's there for a reason. In Green Bay this week, expect to see a quarterback that looks a lot more like a Don Majkowski than a Brett Favre. I'm taking the Saints. What the hell is Brett Favre doing here? I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. All right. Dot beers. Now we're on to the next game. It's a divisional matchup taking place in, oh, London, England. Third game of the season to be played in England. The Cardinals looked sharp last week, getting off to a 31 to nothing lead. But they almost lost the game to the Bucks, who, by the way, were without Jameis Winston at the time, avoiding what could have been the largest comeback in NFL history. Frank Reich. Uh, the Rams continue to look great on both sides of the ball, having a key road win by putting up 27 points on the Jags. Let me put this bluntly, Matt. The cards are old. The quarterback is old. Their top receiver, Larry Fitzgerald, is old. Their new, quote-unquote, running back in Adrian Peterson is old. Their coach is old. And he wears a kangle. Old does not travel well. No, it doesn't. Uh, it does not travel well. Neither do Kangles in 2017. <laughs> that's, about well, as, that's about as fresh as MySpace. Yeah, well, so uh, needless to say, I'm, I'm taking the Rams. I'm taking the Rams in England. Hells yeah, buddy. The L.A. Rams are making football relevant again in the City of Angels. A solid young quarterback, a running back, who reminds me of another Rams back, Hall of Famer Marshall Falk. Add to that a stalwart defense. The Rams, they look like a playoff team. Uh, they've got a long way to go, obviously, but I think they continue to move forward in that quest this week with a win at what? Twickenham. Is that what it's called? It's fucking... Twickenham. No, well, if you're in England, it's called Twickenham. Not Twickenham. I mean, that's Whatever. our way of saying it. But it's Twickenham if you're from Britain. Fucking limeys. Either way, I'm taking the Rams. <laughs> You have to live there. It's Leicestershire, not Leicestershire. It's <laughs> yeah, the exactly. Thames, not the Thames. Exactly. Of course, this is coming from people that call an elevator a lift and a flashlight a torch. I don't see a flame a coming off that fucking torch. You and a trunk, a limies. boot. And guess who's going to get the boot in the next game? Yeah, it's going to be the, the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore, so thanks God, every day for the Browns and the Giants. Otherwise, they'd be the shittiest fucking team in the league. 
every week, Joe, really, I am a great quarterback, Flacco, struggles to get 200 yards passing, fails more often than not in that as well, and their line play just plain stinks. Now, to their defense's credit, they are creating turnovers and proving to be a pretty tough unit. Unfortunately, it doesn't do any good if your offense isn't capitalizing. The Vikes are drastically better at moving the ball through the air, and their running game is pretty good. Coming off a big win over their division rivals, the Packers, that, that was last week. They'll be off to a quick start to the game this week. They won't look back. I'm taking the Vikes with the points at home. And by the way, to give you the spread, because I went on my rant a little early, a little early Minnesota's favored by 5.5 points with the over-under at 39.5. What say you, Andy? Well, the Ravens right now, at least to me, are the toughest team to read. They lose last week at home to your Bears. They get their asses handed to them at home by the Steelers, destroyed by the Jags in London. But they can win on the road in Cincinnati and Oakland. This is a true Jekyll and Hyde team. And to be honest, I'm not sure which one is going to show up in the land of 10,000 lakes. Everyone knows the Vikings have a very good against-the-spread record at home. And they're running the ball really well as of late. I would be foolish to bet against them in this spot. I, uh, I'm going to put this on autoplay. I'm going Vikings. All right. How about Jacksonville at Indianapolis? Indianapolis is three-point underdogs at home with a 44 even over under. What do you think about this, Andy? Indy's looking pretty bad this year. They I mean, are. And you can, use, you can use Andrew Luck as an excuse for only so long. I mean – you got to draft better. Chuck Pagano is on total bed shitting alert, and he needs to do something. Jacksonville has proven that their defense and their running game travel very well it's because they've won in Texas, and they've won in Pittsburgh, and they've won in London, England. In fact, they've covered five of the last six on the road. The Colts, on the other hand, have proven that they can beat the 49ers and the Browns, who don't have a win between them. The spread isn't even close to being high enough. As long as Fournette touches the ball more than Blake Bortles, and I think he will, this will prove to be a winning strategy. I'm taking the Jags on the road to cover the field goal. Yeah, maybe I spoke a little too soon when I said the Ravens were the third worst team in the league because the Colts really do suck. Like, suck really bad in all facets of the game. And then on the other sideline, the Jags, they're having a renaissance man they're playing some killer defense this year Fournette is on a completely different level at the running back position Jacksonville easily covers the field goal and then some all right right, now we're on to another divisional matchup this week uh with the Bengals playing the Steelers at Pittsburgh right now the line's moved a little bit right now the uh the Steelers are sitting at minus five with an over-under 41.5. This is a huge divisional matchup with some serious playoff implications. If you think back to last week, if Antonio Brown doesn't make that circus catch at the end of the game for 54 yards against KC, and Andy Reid doesn't make yet another fourth-quarter coaching mistake and going for it on fourth and two within field goal range, the Steelers' season might already be over. And just when you think they're readying the ship, the off-the-field drama now continues with Martavis Bryant asking to be traded. Well, maybe he can go to the Penguins, like straight-up swap for Evgeny Malkin. I don't know. <laughs> ah, that's a possibility. I mean, that's as good as anything I've come up with so far. I mean, seriously, there's been 
there's been episodes of Jersey Shore with less drama than these Steelers are putting out. And as I mentioned before, Pittsburgh is not a town that tolerates this kind of bullshit for too long. Cincinnati's look sharp on offense with their new coordinator, who seems to be making better use of the weapons they have available. This is a great spot for the Bengals coming off a bye week, playing a team that just had a big emotional win. I like them to keep it close and possibly win this thing outright. I'm going to pick the team formerly known as the Cincinnati Bungles. Okay, I'm going to be frank because a lot of the times you get that whole once bitten, twice shy uh, mentality, which can be bad for gambling. So I, I don't particularly like that in myself, but that's why picking the Bengals scares me because much like their in-state counterparts, the Browns, like we discussed earlier, every time I buy into them, I get completely fucking screwed. But with the bye last week, I think the Bengals are well-rested. I agree with you as well that a different offensive coordinator who actually knows how to use the weapons they have, I think, helps them immensely. Um, And they do always play the Steelers pretty well at Heinz Field for whatever reason. So I agree. The Bengals keep it close. How about uh, Dallas at San Francisco? Uh, San Francisco are six-point underdogs at home with a 46-and-a-half over-under. The Cowboys and the Niners. I get chills when I hear those two words in the same sentence. You know, as a teenager, when I actually played the game, this is by far the biggest rivalry in football. Names like Montana and Aikman, Rice and Irvin, Craig and Smith, Haley and Sanders. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But the only place we're going to see these guys of that stature this week will be in the alumni box because these are two totally different teams. This matchup is a little different. The 49ers are 0-6, losing their last five by three points or less. First time ever, by the way, in NFL history. The Cowboys are coming off a bye week. And at first it seemed to be without Zeke Elliott, who was to serve a six-game suspension. But he's now back in the lineup. A repeat of week one drama. You got to imagine that this distraction is going to affect their game preparation. You know, I was I was speaking with a Cowboys fan on the weekend, diehard Cowboys fan, and he's like, you know what? Just serve the six games, get it over with. Let let not it loom over our heads where it's always going to be there. Just get it done and and let's move on with yeah, things. Rip, rip the bandaid off fast. Absolutely and. It's going to happen. I just that it might happen this year. Might happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. I I don't know. I, you know, two and three right now. I don't know if their playoff hopes are quite alive with the way that the rest of the NFC East is doing. But uh, now is kind of the time that you just at least for preparatory purposes, like make a decision, move on, get it done. Anyway, considering that the 49ers have lost their last five by a combined thirteen points with four of those games being on the road, and now they're back in the Bay Area at Levi's Stadium, I'm going to be taking the home team underdog here. You Niners have to remember names like Montana, Rice, and Craig because your team right now is full of guys who are so unremarkable, their names will never be uttered once they've retired. Uh, The Niners, however, uh, I'll give you this. They've been excellent against the spread this season, but I think that's going to change this week. The Cowboys need to fight for their wild card spot. They're probably not going to take the division with how Philadelphia is doing, but 
They've got to prove they're for real this season. Winning this game in a decisive way goes a long way toward that proof. I think the Cowboys win big. How about them Cowboys? Hey, Maddie, go to hell. (laughs) Maddie, uh, before we leave this game, there's one other thing that I'd like to add to it, and it's got nothing with um, on-field play. I don't, I don't want to say this. I don't even want to think that I have to say this. But this is the first game for the Cowboys since Jerry Jones said that if you don't stand for the anthem, you don't get to play in the game. So don't be surprised if you see someone from America's team try to participate in this little game of chicken with Double J. If this does happen in any way, shape, or form, can you imagine the disruption on the sidelines? I mean, Jason Garrett's head would freaking explode. Just want to throw it out there for betting fans that the money line for the San Francisco 49ers right now is at plus 220. I wonder what the odds are of if it's a guy like Dak Prescott who takes a knee. What do you think? Do you think Jerry Jones has enough sack to sit him down? Yep. That'd be an interesting pissing match because you do that, I think you lose your quarterback for good. You trade you if you do that, you've got to trade him in the offseason. Uh, you might have to trade a midseason. Yeah. I mean, there's, you would literally burn that bridge. There are, there are certain things that are more important than football, and I think a lot of the players realize that. Uh, the owners are realizing that they have to adjust the players' wishes, um, and the players also have to acknowledge the position that the owners are in, especially with their fans. And there are fans that are leaving. It's a very complicated issue. I've never seen this before in any professional sports league. It's an odd situation, and it's... uh, I'm not going to say it's affecting handicapping yet, uh, but I think this week will be a very telling one. And it's going to start in San Francisco. Well, it's going to continue in San Francisco where it started from. Where it started, exactly. All right, Sunday night, a Super Bowl rematch. Atlanta at Foxborough in New England. New England is favored by three points. There is an over-under of 55 points straight up. Actually, that number of 55 has gone up. It's now at 56.5. Okay. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, if you think back to the Super Bowl last year, uh, it was approaching 60 by game time. So I anyway, I'm not going to do a... Uh, I'm not going to do a prediction on the total here, but it's just an interesting line movement. But, you know, <laughs> if you're the Falcons, I don't know what's worse, losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl after leading by 25 points or last week losing at home to the Dolphins after a 17-point lead. I would think it would be much worse for the latter. Oh, dude, Jay Cutler losing to him with a cigarette out of his mouth? Oh, it's just horrible. I know we, you and I both spend a lot of time piling on Jay Cutler. We do. So, so here's what I'm going to say about their win. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. <laughs> the Super Bowl hangover is real, too. I mean, if Atlanta can't win in their new career against Jay Cutler, who, by the way, passed for 151 yards, how the hell are they going to do in Foxborough against a team that, last I checked, has a pretty good winning percentage at home? In this sport, everything sort of regresses to the middle, but it's only a matter of how long. There is no way on God's green earth that Bill Belichick 
will field an embarrassing defense once again. They only have to play remotely average to cover three points at home. What do I say remotely average? I mean, mix in a sack or an INT every now and then. That's it. After some bad losses and some close wins, I say that they make a statement game to the rest of the teams in the AFC East. By the way, they've covered the spread in the past five against the Falcons. Five out of five. I think this spread is a little off here. The price is wrong, bitch. I'm going with the Pats at home. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. All right, the Monday night matchup. Washington at Philadelphia. The NFC East is going at it. Uh, Minus four and a half. Philadelphia is favored at home with a 48 and a half over and under. Well, these are two teams that are both doing quite well. I mean, normally in a tight NFC East matchup like this, Vegas usually defaults to a three-point spread in favor of the home team. I mean, it was it used to be automatic. The Eagles had a very impressive win last night, uh, last Thursday, rather, against the Panthers. The professional football team from Washington barely won at home against the 49ers, and that was thanks to a questionable offensive pass interference call against Pierre Garçon. I think the public has overreacted slightly to this in the past week because the spread seems a little high. Washington has covered six of the past seven against Philly. Now, mind you, the Eagles have covered every game this year except for the first one. But this is the first week in the season where now you see a second matchup between the same two teams, a.k.a. a revenge spot for Washington. And just so you know, Matty, Carson Wentz is 3-8 and eight straight up against division rivals. I'm going Washington. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Philadelphia wins this game outright, but I think it comes down to a field goal. These teams are pretty tight. I agree with you. Pick Washington. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a good game to be sure. And now we move on to POTUS picks, where we dial up the White House on our hotline, our football hotline that we've got with President Trump, and uh, we get his uh, two cents, if you will, which for Trump is a bargain. <laughs> But uh, we get his two cents on what's going on in the NFL. So first, thank you, Mr. President, as always, for being on Almost Wise Guys. But uh, the Cleveland Browns fell to 0-6 last week, losing on the road to the Texans. Hugh Jackson has won just one of their last 21 games. What do you think this past loss means for his future with the team? He's sweating like a pig. Mr. President, Jerry Jones, only a few weeks ago, knelt at midfield, linking arms and showing support for his players prior to a game in late September. He now says that anyone who doesn't stand doesn't play. This flip-flop stance seems a little hypocritical. What do you think about him? This guy will say anything. Nasty guy. Now I know why he doesn't have one endorsement. Thank you to all our fans for listening to episode 7 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week's 7 games across the NFL. 
Thanks again to President Trump for his insights and also to Bob Smith for his honest confessions as a Browns backer. From the Costa Nostra studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. This one's for Gordon the Hip. Get out and pick yourself a winner. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. You know the reasons I can't conceal. You know leaving you on this, but knowing how I feel. It's not as easy as calling out your name when I'm down. It's not a matter for wrong or right. It ain't much better than thinking and looking about. You know I'm tired of calling out my name among the crowd. Yeah.